Hello, this is Jackie Shea. Welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. Today, I have this really exciting episode planned, um, different. Uh, I'm trying this out. So when I talk to people about illness, um, I often get questions about navigating romance and how to do that when you're very sick. I've uh, had the same partner for three and a half years. We've been together for almost the entire time since the minute I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And so I have a lot of experience around this. And Ian, my boyfriend, uh, accepted (laughs) my um, invitation to be on the podcast and talk about what it's like to be in a relationship and some of the tips, the do's and the don'ts and the the ways in which we have made it work together um, and the way we have been able to thrive uh, romantically despite uh, or maybe even because of... um, illness hi ian hello my love how are you (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for being willing to talk about this stuff so openly i'm happy to be here thanks Mm. for asking yeah so i wanted to share a little bit about our story which is that actually we are only together because of (laughs) lyme disease um our beautiful mutual friend suggested we meet up after I got diagnosed because you have had your own struggles with illness in the past. Um, will you tell us a little bit about your personal struggle? Yeah, so um, I guess it was in 2012, I was planning to um, take a bike trip around the world and I, um, I, right before I left, I started developing a little bit of pain in my hip and then it started permeating to my back and um, I saw a bunch of doctors and this is right before, you know, I was planning on quitting my job and I sold my car and I really was going to really commit to this thing and um, I saw a number of doctors and they said, oh, you're fine, just go, you know, you'll get better as you continue to ride. And um, about a month into my trip, the pain was so bad, I had to uh, pack up and come home. And um, I didn't have insurance, and I had to wait uh, four months to see a surgeon who told me I needed to have uh, hip surgery. And then um, finally, I did get the surgery, and it uh, it was incomplete. So I had to have it redone a year and a half later. And so three about three years I was struggling with really awful hip pain and back pain um, and it has been it's gotten better in the last year and a half or so yeah so I've really been with you on a lot of your journey as well but when I got diagnosed it was December of 2013 and um, we met for coffee to discuss I believe in January (laughs) and you were feeling how were you feeling at that point you had you had moved back to LA you were feeling better yeah I still wasn't aware that I was gonna have to have the surgery redone um and so I was doing physical therapy and trying to get better and not getting better and that was so I was just 
you know, get a couple good days. Oh, I feel good. I can, you know, run around or do something and then just bang, struck with all this awful pain and, um, you know, could barely get out of bed. So um, it was just really up, up and down at that point. But you were really empathetic to me and you had, you had certainly, we, like I said, our, our mutual friend put us in touch because we were both young and, and she had said that Ian could help me, um, just sort of navigate the beginnings of, of not feeling well in Los Angeles and maybe he could be a friend for me. Um, and so we, uh, we met for coffee and you were really empathetic toward me and, and you had seemed to be feeling pretty well at the time. You certainly weren't in the same crippling pain that you were in before you got your first surgery. Um, right. Yeah. So there was some improvement after the first surgery. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you definitely were cheering me on and, and trying to help me whether that was flirting or not. I don't know, but (laughs) Um, so you, you come from Lyme, Connecticut. That is right. Well, you come from Manhattan, but uh, your family also comes from Lyme, Connecticut and you lived there for a long time, um, Mm. or for a while on and off. And you, so you, you know a lot about Lyme disease and you had seen a lot of people sick with Lyme, but not so sick. Yeah. So, you know, my family's been in Lyme, Connecticut for a number of generations and you know that's a really really small town and um i'm basically related to everyone that lives in the town and um there were so many people that had gotten lyme disease over the years and you know but it was and so we knew about it all people get you know but we didn't really worry about it because we had never we had never seen anyone have it and become that serious it was like people got and they would get a blood you know they would get tested for it and and it turned out they'd probably had it for many many years and didn't know and you know the only thing that was happening was you know they were feeling tired and you know maybe some brain fog but nothing really serious um so i actually learned a lot more about it through you so when you met me and i told you i had lyme and i was taking these antibiotics um I'm sure you had some expectation of what that would look like for me. Yeah, so uh, that's you know that's what everyone says. And like, oh, you get Lyme disease, you take the antibiotics, you know, and end of story. Like that's you know that's the only thing I had ever heard about it. So I actually had pretty limited knowledge. But that's it. what you expected to happen to me. Yeah, you would take the antibiotics, and you know, in a few months you would be no more Lyme or. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Recovered, yeah. Sure. Well, that's what I thought, too. I thought I would take antibiotics for a couple months and be recovered as well. So we we hit it off, and we, we started this, this romance. Um, and I was, you know, pretty newly sick. I was just... Things weren't that weird. It was like I couldn't get too much sun because I was on all these antibiotics, and I didn't want to be in the sun too much. Um and that was like the big thing, right? Yeah, when we first started going out, that was that was your only concern was that you, you were going to live exactly the way you were living before you were diagnosed except you had to stay out of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> we would go on these really strenuous hikes and you know, you know, go to the beach and you were on the you know, on the 
on the bars or the, the, oh, rings, the rings and all that right. stuff. And you were, you know, really exerting yourself. And it didn't seem like anything was wrong at all. Yeah. And I definitely had a really hard time learning how to slow down. And that had a lot to do with it. But I... I was full of energy and it's important to note too that one of the reasons we really bonded was due to this like adventurous physical um uh, spirit right like I, I I we bonded over loving to be outside and loving to do things and be physically active and um and explore and adventure and that's not really at all what you got with me <laughs> so um that is important to note as we continue talking about this uh so it was things slowly started to change i imagine but but tell us if you wouldn't mind sort of what your experience was watching me decline so quickly at some point i declined very quickly it was like slow 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 and then suddenly i was a different person yeah i think the first sign that things were more serious was when you started taking the when i was giving you the injections of antibiotics um i can't remember what those were bicillin. called bicillin that bicillin is an intramuscular antibiotic that i was on yeah and that was like you know that it was clear by that point i don't know where we that was six months in eight months in when it was like okay this is you know the run of the mill antibiotics is like this is not working so you're you know we're taking pretty serious things and then sometime after that there was um when you went to florida i don't remember when you went to florida that was actually almost a year after the bicillin okay. injections so between the year between the bicillin and the florida trip you know there was that was like a big you know that's when suddenly you know, we were, we wanted to go spend time with friends and we would just invite everybody over because it was like, it was really hard for you to get out of the house. It was really hard for you to get out of bed, but then you couldn't sleep. You had this really, really intense insomnia during that time. Um, and you were just going days without sleeping. I remember that, that was really, intense and then anytime we went out we had to choose places that like where you could sit like and lean your head up against the wall so i remember that like throughout that time like you couldn't keep your own head up for more than you know 10 minutes or something and was it so i mean yeah all of that is all of that so is during yeah that accurate. was <laughs> yeah so during that time like there was a I don't I don't remember there being like crossing a line but it was but there was suddenly a time when it was like oh this is really serious like this was you know the sickest I had ever seen anyone other than my my mother had um had can had lung cancer and bone marrow cancer and she died um, 20 years ago um and she was diagnosed and then like had her decline within six months and like that was the only time i'd ever seen anyone you know re really seriously sick and then you know so like you were pretty other than her were the sickest person i'd ever seen by the time that i had gotten that sick you were pretty invested right yeah we i mean it didn't it and it was you know 
like we had the connection that we had and even though yeah we weren't going out and doing you know long strenuous hikes or something like that we were still building you know um a relationship and it almost even though it was always there the lime was sort of always present and it was a big part of our life experience it didn't it didn't derail any of the the thing that we were building which was really interesting and you know it, it was it seemed like it could just it was there but it wasn't the thing that was there and there are reasons why it what it didn't derail and a lot of them had to do with you and a lot of them had to do with me and i think that um one of the things for for starters, we we did a great job in the foundation of our relationship taking it really slow. So we we weren't living together when I was that sick. Um, you know, uh, we had a really good balance. We had a really uh, great independence within our relationship. So that foundation was already there to have separate lives. But I made it a priority um, to take my illness stuff to somebody else first. I decided to have, based on, you know, other people's experience and suggestions that I had uh, gotten, um, the support that I was getting, uh, the main suggestion was to have a big support network that not want, no mm -hmm. one single person could hold my illness. Um, so I did. I talked to a lot of different people about it. I um, asked a lot of different people for help. I did not rely and depend on you solely, and I think that that made a huge, huge difference. Yeah, it, it did, and I think that, um, you know, it never felt like I, it was such a, you know, this journey of recovery that you've that you're on and that you've you've been on throughout our relationship um like it was so i know how overwhelming it could be for you and it was it, it was overwhelming at times to watch but it didn't um i think part of it was that i just i knew what you know the thing that i I felt like my job was to, you know, was to be there for you and to be loving and compassionate. And it wasn't to take on, you know, this overwhelmingness or this pain or, you know, it was just to be there for you, you know. Um, and that was like something I felt like I could really do, um, you know. And I had been through some similar things when, you know, when I was struggling with the chronic pain for those years, you know, I knew what it was like to see, you know, I saw dozens and dozens of doctors to try to figure out what was wrong with me, you know, and, um, you know, nobody had any answer, you know, and I knew what it was like to go and see the doctors that cost $500 and they won't take insurance and all this craziness and like, um, you know, and so I'd been through that a little bit, but, you know, you were sort of really taking that on and doing a great job with it and you know instead of sort of trying to take on all that work i really just thought the my place was really just to be there for you and you were you were um so actually something i tell a lot of people and something you taught me 
was how to be there um, for other people that are going through. I remember uh, my friend Nick uh, suffering one night and I just I got to just kind of sit there and put my arm around him and like tell him I was there. And I said to him, oh, my God, Ian taught me how to do this because that is something that you did when I was very sick and and something else that I talk a lot about on my blog and I try to be very open about is how depressed I got. Um, I cried. I cried every single day. And sometimes I cried so hard I'd fall to the floor and have like and like convulse. I mean, I cried so hard so many times. And I know that that was one of the hardest things for you. Um, but but you were so good at just simply putting your arm around me and holding me and not really saying anything except like, it's okay, I'm here. That's what you said all the time. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm right here. It's okay. I'm right here. And that's, um, and you know, that was extremely beneficial. Um, and I remember feeling a lot like I wished you could help me with the doctor search that I wish you could, mm. you know, come up with a, with a, um, with a regimen for me that you could do the research and, and get me in with the best doctor and push for me and advocate for me. And, uh, it's a really good point, uh, to make for listeners that, um, that was something that you did not do. Mm. You, you came to the doctor with me if I asked you to. Um, you, you did almost anything I asked you to do. If I straight up said, like, this is what I need from you, you almost always did it. Um, but I, I would hint at you doing, like, the research for me and the dirty work, you know? Mm. Like, I really, really, <laughs> really did not want to be alone in doing it. However, something that I think is really important for any relationship is that I kept looking at, like, are my needs being met? Is he meeting my needs? And do I really need him to help me find doctors? And the answer was that, no, I really didn't. I didn't really need that help. Um, I, thought that, I thought that you doing that would, like, prove something to me about like how much you loved me or cared, but I didn't actually need you to do that because that is something that I happen to be good at myself. Um, and that I continue to be able to do while sick and that I continued to find people who had recovered from Lyme who could actually help me with that in way more, um, way more effectively than you could have. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, one last thing on that point when I, when I did my fundraiser, um, the big fundraiser I did, uh, I was looking for somebody to write it for me. I was asking so many people, write it for me, write it for me. And I asked my friend Laura and she said, um, she couldn't, she was really busy. And she said, you know, I really don't understand why you're not writing it yourself. <laughs> and it was such a good, uh, moment for me. It was like, yeah, that's something I can do. Sometimes when we are sick, we forget that there's actually quite a bit that we are capable of still. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. And I think that, you know, for me too, it was like you know, watching you advocate for yourself and you're you know, you're so good at that. And um, you know, a lot of that kind of work was is sort of you know, it's things I, I have done before and um but um I think that like where where I was at 
in the journey in our relationship too that was a little beyond what I was going to be able to do at the time, you know, and that like if if you needed it, I was going to do it, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I still felt like yeah, my best, the thing I can do best for us is is to be there and to be, you know, to be there. You were there. You were very much there for me and um, for years. <laughs> hmm. uh, and but something else that you did that I always that I always noticed um, is that you never let go of your life. So no matter how sick I was and sometimes I was, you know, couldn't get out of bed all day sick, um, even on those days, you kept to your commitments you have a lot of different hobbies. You rock climb. You are doing a lot every day. Uh, you were preparing for your bike trip again. You know, you were doing all sorts of things. And you didn't really let that stuff go because of how sick I was. Yeah, I, I think that it's, you know, it, at times, you know, yeah, I wanted to be, you know, to be more available for you um and but at the same time what was it was really important for me to you know to continue doing the things that you know that I do um you know just did you know that by that if you had stopped doing those things you would get resentful I think I think I saw that that I would and that you know, that I was powerless over, you know, just sort of recognizing, like, what I was capable of, like, what I was powerless over, you know, in, in terms of, like, the kind of help that I could give and what, you know, that taking on, you know, if I'm going to, you know, you're in bed for the day, so I'm going to stop my day and then I'm going to spend the day with you, you know. I mean, of course, there were plenty of times where I, you know, you know I did ditch a commitment because you were, you know, feeling so crummy and so okay you know we'll you know let's do something but for the most part like by if I started to let go of those things the things that that I do then you know then I'm taking on all of this you know and then I think that like it makes me ineffective you know in the relationship because like you know I can't I can't be the one to make you better because I'm not going to, that's not what my job is, you know? And I, I think I saw that, that like my job was to be there for you, you know? And thank God you didn't try to make that your job because if you did, I might have stopped trying to make myself better. And I think that that's the, um, that you doing your own thing and having your own life kept me empowered, actually, and kept me focused on how I could help myself. A lot of times when somebody sweeps in to take the reins, it leaves um, the the sick person or the person that's depressed or whatever uh, just limp, feeling like they don't need to do anything anymore. And mm -hmm. I think that does an incredible disservice, or it would have for me. Um, I needed to keep striving and keep finding ways to heal. And actually, you not um, coddling me gave me an opportunity to heal a lot of my emotional trauma uh, because I had to look at a lot of my abandonment issues. <laughs> 
actually, um, every time you left the house. And that was really hard, guys. Like anyone who's listening, the when I would be stuck in bed, uh, literally unable to hold my own head up or, or do anything, and my boyfriend would leave the house to go rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> that was super challenging. Um, and it was not his job. It was not your job to make yourself smaller and stop rock climbing because I couldn't, you know? Mm. And I think that that's a really, that's something that gets people stuck a lot of times in, in relationships when sick. Um, yeah. And I think that too, that, you know, by continuing to live my life completely normally that I, I think it really helped make it so that the, the illness, it was there, but it wasn't the focus, you know, and it wasn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't overwhelm the relationship, you know, and it was almost like, yo, she's sick, yeah, she's sick, but it wasn't like, I don't know, like if I was uh, describing my relationship to someone, it wouldn't be the first thing I'd say, it wouldn't be the second, or the, like it would, you know, because it just wasn't at the forefront of the relationship. And I think because I continued to live my life that way. Um, and so it just didn't feel like I'm in a relationship with a person who's trying to recover from a really serious illness and she's very ill. It just, you know, that was there, but it wasn't, that wasn't the sentence to describe it. Mm. Which is surprising to me because I was like shockingly ill. I mean, mm. that's really surprising um, cause I feel like for that, uh, for a period of time there, you know, um, I was, it looked real bad. <laughs> it did. It did. It was an afterthought really. I mean, it was, I don't know, because there was, we were building so much underneath, you know, and on top of the illness that. Well, it certainly, it, it made us, it made us more intimate it gave us an opportunity to be a hell of a lot more intimate very quickly. I mean, you saw me at my worst. You saw me at the worst I've ever been in my entire life. You know, I was an emotional wreck. I was like, I was sick. I couldn't do anything. And this is such a great point, too, to feel there was a lot I couldn't do, a lot of ways that I would have tried to impress a man that I was in love with that I could that I did not have at my disposal, Right. Like, um, I, some days I couldn't shower and I couldn't put makeup on and I couldn't, um, I, I couldn't, uh, uh, be in any position other than on my back in bed <laughs> and I couldn't, uh, you know, go out to dinner. I mean, there was so much, it was like a lot of our lives actually at the time were just lying in bed watching TV. Um, we built forts because <laughs> because I couldn't because it was like a vacation in the in yeah, the in the house. Um, you know, things were and any time we did try to go out, it often ended up with me in tears. So, mm, yeah, like yeah. for a year, I cried any time we tried to go out. Yeah. So, I mean, that had to be so challenging. It was, um, you know, it also gave me an opportunity to, you know, I, I have the same issue that you do of just trying to 
you know, always living my life like at a hundred miles an hour, you know, and never stopping to just, just chill and relax and enjoy anything that's not like super intense, you know, and, you know, I know that that's one of the reasons we were, you know, drawn to one another. And then slowly, like both of us, you know, we found like all these other ways to spend time together that were diff really different than we would have otherwise, you know. And, you know, during, you know, I was also, I mean, I don't know, when I had the second surgery, like a year into the relationship. Uh, no, 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 no. Was you had new? that, oh, like, that was, yeah, you had it, like, months. Oh, that's right. You had it, like, six months into yeah, the relationship. No, right. <laughs> it was, like, so, I mean, between, like, those months, I was really in a lot of pain. And then I was in a lot of pain, like, after that. So, like, I needed, you know, I needed that. Like, you know, I needed a nudge to just, you know, hey, let's, you know, <laughs> let's order some food and just relax. And not try to do things that you know are going to cause me more pain and then make me depressed because i feel terrible about myself because i can't do this thing that seems so easy you know like i mean i couldn't ride you know i can ride a bike for 10 minutes you know without being in excruciating pain so and then even as i started to recover um a year later a year and a half later i still you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I love doing those things with you. And, you know, and, the, and it didn't feel like we were missing out on anything, you know, because we were going to stay home and, like, lay around, like, maybe because it was all kind of new, like, that was a new activity, but it was because it was with you. And, and that was, I don't know, it was it was great and special. Mm -hmm. it, wa it was. I, I mean, I'm so grateful for that for that time and I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to to not try so hard to be loved that I actually couldn't try I couldn't really do anything but be myself and that you continue to love me and show up for me that was really powerful for me um and I had to work extra diligently to um be on my best behavior in our relationship uh you know, like I said, I had to have a, a wide cast support network um, and I had to tr put on a happy face as much as I could. And it um, and I had to keep striving to get well, partially because I had this relationship that I was really passionate about. And I I um, I wanted to be my best self in the relationship Uh so tell us what some of your so, um, some of your tips would be to um, to partners of of people struggling with illness. I think uh, early on, I um, you know I had to recognize like you know what I could do, what I could fix, and what I couldn't. You know what I was powerless over, and it was a lot. And so, but what I could do is I could show up. Um, you know, with with my best self and be there, be present, and be compassionate, and you know, and be flexible, you know, and not 
you know, not have the expectation that we were, you know, like as as things got harder and harder that, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put expectations on your recovery that, you know, you needed to get better or, or something or anything like that. Like I just, I was just there. And did you have your own support network to talk to about how it was? I did, yeah. Um, you know, I have a, I have a couple, peop, you know, people who are close. I'm really close with, and, and that was also very helpful to have people to talk to about what was going on. Because um, I, I, you know, I wasn't comfortable talking to, you know, anyone about it. So it just I needed a few people, and I, I have. I have I have continued to have those conversations with with some people so I think that support network is really important um and you know it's like as you you know as if you're sick if you're if you're struggling with illness or um you know and when I was um if you you know if you're reaching out and looking for people to connect with to talk about it, you know it always blew my mind how many people were struggling with illness like once you started looking for it, you would find, I found so many people. Um, and it's the same with finding people who are partners of someone who's struggling with illness. Like if you're looking to, you know, have people to talk to about it, if you're reaching out, um, I, you know, I found people and that was really helpful. So just being willing to, to reach out. Yeah. Um, and I think to, uh, <laughs> that I love the point about doing finding figuring out what you're capable of doing and doing that because everybody actually has different capabilities. Um, you know, some people might be really good at the research and the 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 getter done type stuff mm. um, more than the holding while crying type stuff. <laughs> so um, I think it's important to just look at what you're capable of and know that you can't be everything. Uh, it's impossible. It's impossible to be the one holding it all. Um, so and and my biggest piece of advice would really be to to get a huge support network and to ask lots of different people. Like even for food, you know, I remember that being a thing. Like I often needed people to bring me food because I was mm -hmm. too sick to leave um, and too broke to keep ordering takeout. So... <laughs> So I asked a lot of different people. I did not rely on you and I did not rely on one friend down the street. I had like five friends in the neighborhood and all of them got asked at different times. Um, and you often brought me food, but not always. Uh, and that was a, that was a really big deal. And to just, to just keep noticing that, you know, um, what you did to show up. I did like a lot of gratitude lists around what the ways that I was being shown love and care and attention um, by you. So what, how did you feel as I started to get better? Was it hard? Was it hard because the dynamics were changing? Was it? Yeah, it was actually, um, you know, it was so, it was so nice. Uh, it was wonderful to see, you know, when the recovery really started, like really to change that way, and you were getting better, um, and I was oh so it was great. And then, but yeah, then sometimes I think one one thing I was struggling with was, 
you know, up until that point, I was like clear of expectations. And then suddenly, like I started like putting expectations on things and that was really hard. Um, and so, um, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You've never said that before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, it's actually hard. It's actually, it's like, um, uh, it's like how people talk about when, when they're in a relationship with an alcoholic and the alcoholic gets sober, how hard it is that it's much harder than it was expected. Cause that's what you thought you wanted the whole time. But actually like we had a dynamic set up where I was, um, I was one way for two years, you know, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was totally different and, you know, um, able to do a lot more, but, but I'd be able to do a lot more one week and then kind of back in bed the next. So that must've been confusing. Like, I know that you expected me to join you on some trips and then suddenly I wouldn't be well enough to go. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that's a part of that sort of setting those expectations of like, well, you're better, so we should just be doing all the, you know, doing all these things. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, you know, and then, you know, obviously, like, you know, the experience, like, you know, it changes both of, you know, both of us. We were, you know, we were different after two years, you know, like we were not, it wasn't, you know, we just weren't the same. And like you had throughout that time, you know, you had developed like all these other interests and things. And like, you know, you really started doing a lot of photography and you started, um, you know, with the wellness advocacy and all, you know, and all that was taking off for you. And, you know, so there's, you know, it's like, it's not like, oh, you recover and then things go back to some sort of normal or something like, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't know, th go back things to don't anything. Go, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if things ever go back ever in any circumstance, you know, but you have this weird sense that that's what's going to happen. And it's like, no, now we're just in a different place. And, you know, and that was, and it was a wonderful place, actually. It was just letting go of, these ideas that it's supposed to be something different, mm. you know? Um, and so, I mean, that wasn't like some huge process. It was just sometimes I catch myself thinking something and I'm like, that's stupid. I don't, why am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I actually am I've always been impressed with your ability to have uh, compassion for me. Um, Th there's been very little judgment where there has been a lot of judgment in the world around Lyme disease and around people making it up. And you never really had that, uh, which always struck me. Um, you never had like a man up attitude toward me, uh, which by the way, was a, was a huge deal. Just, just the validation, just knowing that you knew how sick I was, um, and that I really couldn't do the things that I said I couldn't do and that I really was trying my best. And to this day, you have that, you know, you, you are totally compassionate when I'm not feeling well. Um, and you, and you believe that I am doing my best. 
Um, and I guess that's just like a natural thing for you. Or maybe you really just saw how sick I was. I don't know. But I, a lot of the world was judging me differently. Yeah. Witnessing what was happening. Yeah. It was hard to. It was hard to judge it as anything other than what I was witnessing and experiencing. Um, so. Which was obvious to you. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, funny. It I ask because I because I'm mm. still like, but I probably looked and seemed and sounded fine. But it's like that doesn't seem to be the um, the reaction from people around me at the time. So yeah. I also think, too, that like, you know, I mean, I think it's sort of, you know, maybe that's human nature to think about like what we can't do and what we're missing or, or something like that, you know, but there was so much that we could do through the illness and so you know we we just explored you know it's like this the silly things like the forts and stuff you know what i mean and it's like those are really special times and it's like maybe maybe it's a little easier for me but um you know than for other people to you know but i can i mean oh no that's not true you know i focus on the negative a lot like i totally do that you know i i go i get on I can get on a bad trip about that for sure. But I don't know. I think that just because the relationship was so powerful that, you know, I mean, all this is like, you know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? You know, for different people, it's like a lot of it is just like, you know, if there's a really strong basis of love, then, you know, you can, you know, you can just go through so much. Mm. And, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know. I think that that because that was there that like it was easy to focus on like you know Friday and Saturday night like yeah we're not going out and it's like I didn't really care. You know that wasn't like oh we're missing out on some party or missing out on going out dancing. It's like it's it's fine. And like yeah, and occasionally like I you know not a lot but occasionally I went out to things and you know you couldn't go. But you know, it didn't feel, I don't know, I think by focusing on, like, the things that we could do, which are, which was a lot, actually, you know, we could, like, we could, we could talk, we could play games, we could, you know, spend time together, be intimate together, like, there was lots that we could do. A lot of watching movies. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I like that, that was, I don't know, that's great. And it made a world of difference that you didn't complain about not going out or doing things, but that instead you did, you would often say, I don't care because I'm with you and who cares? Cause I'm with you. And I would think, Jesus, <laughs> he can't be serious, <laughs> but you were, and it's awesome. Mm. And like the good news is that, um, we did come through it and, and, um, and like I got, I got through it without you being my everything and my all. And um, uh, we are here today. We're leaving for Israel tomorrow. We get to get on a plane together and do this long adventure and have this long mm. trip. And, um, you know, we live in the gray. We live in the gray today. It's not it's not all 100 percent all the time. And it's not it's not all misery all of the time. I would say we live in like a world of 75, 80 percent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like in terms of wellness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
like yeah it sounds about there's right there's a lot of, there's a lot of downtime there's a lot of like oh i need to rest now but yeah but you're you're doing a lot now you're you know you're pretty out, much you're out you're out and doing a lot it's very impressive it's very inspiring but actually. we do a lot of but we do have a lot of you know now i need to be still and as we travel tomorrow like the conditions are i just had treatment yesterday i had an infusion yesterday so we know that the conditions are like that i might need a little extra support and i said that this is like a very typical conversation where i say <laughs> where i say hey i just want to be really clear that like i might need some extra support tomorrow are you going to be okay with that and you're like well yeah i figured of course yes of course and i'm like cool <laughs> <laughs> and that's a typical conversation so you know that's that's the setup today and i think um the more the more you can ask specifically for what you need and be sure that it is something that you actually need, like asking for the extra support in the airport. I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably going to be something I really need. So I should ask for that since it's just going to be us. And like, you know, we have a 17 hour layover somewhere. So mm -hmm. um, I think that being really clear about what your needs are and asking for them specifically. Um and then on the other side, as Ian said, you know, don't be a martyr and, and stick with your life and um, show up and put your arm around the person that's suffering. <laughs> we made it. We made it. <laughs> I love you. I love um, you. Happy holidays, everybody. Um, and I hope that you've had a great Christmas and a great, uh, you know, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and everything that comes with the holidays. And... Uh, 